welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me as always, the guy that's going down on the USS Titanic slash Mariner right now, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? Mr. Clark survived another day of uh, of work, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to talking some Mariners baseball. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It was a weird day at work, and it's like half raining outside, half just gloomy weather, rain. I I don't know. There was sunshine at one point. My day's just been weird. My day's just been weird. You think you know if you were on the USS Mariner slash Titanic and it was going down? Would you be Jack or Rose? Would I, I feel be like you Jack would be or Rose? Rose? Am I am I taking? So you're asking if I'm taking up the the door or whatever she's on, or, or if I'm yes. the one sacrificing? Yes. Hmm. Yes, correct. Well, for the sake of my wife, I should probably say I'm Jack. So we'll just wink, wink on that and go that way. How does that sound? That's fair. That's fair. I I'd definitely be Rose. You are. You would. You Abby are. You are life. definitely no, Rose. Kidding. You are definitely definitely <laughs> Rose. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> No, I'd be the guy in the in the water with the whistle, <laughs> trying to get people there. And I the guy jumping on other people, so. pushing them down to make sure he can float on them. Yeah, that sounds like you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's so rude. <laughs> Before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We appreciate every listen that you've given us so far. Um, if you're a new listener, Hey, thanks for choosing us. And, uh, hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. You know, Bo and I have been doing this for uh, a few episodes. Now we're finding our stride. We're having fun. Um, and we just hope we're kind of passing on the fun to you guys as well. Um, and, and we, you know, get you talking a little bit about the, uh, you know, the Seattle Mariners, the baseball team that you like. So if you haven't already, Go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Just search Forks Down Podcast. You'll find us. You'll find our logo. If you you see our logo on you know your podcast listening app, you'll find us by that logo. You know, there's um, it's on all our social media pages. And if you haven't already, you know, talking about podcast listening app, go hit like and subscribe. You'll get notified about dropping new episodes. You can give us a rating. You know, if you don't like us, give us one star. But you know, you'd really be doing us a favor if you hit five stars. It'll get us up the charts and uh, we'll uh, get more listens and, and get out to the masses a little bit better. So, you know, help us out that way and we'll help you out by bringing you the best Mariners content possible. So, with all that being said, Bo, let's dive into today. We got Mariners notes and we got a couple big ones. You know, we've been talking about it pretty ad nauseum at this point and I'm so glad they finally got activated. Because hopefully we could just talk good about them and not that they're trying to come back. And that's Dylan Moore and Andres Munoz, both activated, both played at some point in the Padres series that we're going to get to talking to. Yep, no, it was really good to see uh, see both of them. Um, I do wonder, you know, I think on the Dylan Moore side, if they are kind of just trying, still trying to ease him into things a little bit more. I don't think they gave him a start in this in this series at all. Um, no. so I think they are trying to ease him back into it, but Andres Munoz, uh, come out throwing gas and looked super solid. So it looks like he never left. So very good to see both of them. Um, 
I think it's at a time when I think there's a lot of questions around the second base situation. So uh, good to see him. I think there's also questions in some of the relief corpse side of things. So good to have both of them, you know, getting back onto this team to, to kind of reinforcement side. So good to see. Yep. Yep. Great to see Munoz had a great, great pitching duel against uh, old Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres. Uh, hit a hundred to strike him out. It was great to see. Ended up getting a hold. Um, it was kind of weird. I thought he'd come back and probably throw the ninth inning. But um, do you feel like Seawald's locked that down with how good he's looked at the start of the season? Um, yeah, I think for right now where Seawald's at um, and just how even though he looked a little shaky in this game, I would say, like uh, he I think has locked it down. I think he's he's the definitive Mariners closer right now, right? Like he's going to get the ball in the ninth inning. Um, and yeah, I think that, I mean, that's kind of the way they've always set it up with Munoz and Seawald a little bit though, right? Munoz is kind of the guy that's like that seventh, eighth inning, big guy out, big out guy. And Seawald's a little bit of that closer to the ninth inning. So, um, I'm not super surprised by it. Uh, Seawald's been the closer and, you know, he will have some times where he kind of has a, a couple ups and downs, but he's been super solid this year. So not super surprised that they still went with Seawald there. I'd like to see Munoz do the uh, do the closing role, get in the closing role, but you know I've been happy from what I've been seeing with Seawald. So you know maybe uh maybe maybe give Seawald some leeway until he uh, shows that he probably can't do it. But good to see him back. Good to see Dylan Moore back. Dylan Moore got a couple of uh, at bats in game two and got a couple walks. Um, pretty positive sign, but uh, you know I'm sure. Going forward, he, he's going to have a, a few more chances, you know, with uh, guys like Colton Wong and A.J. Pollock not doing anything. Speaking of, you know, Colton Wong, uh, we might have found his replacement today. You know, the day we're shooting is Thursday, and a couple hours before we shot, um, it was announced that D.D. Gregorius had signed a minor league deal with the Mariners. Um, former infielder for... Philadelphia, the Yankees, he started in the red system. Um, but I I don't know, Bo, does this look like Colton Long's time as a Mariners probably coming up a little bit? I know it's only a minor league deal, but you got to think something's up there. Um, potentially. Um, I think there's a chance. I think one of the under the uh, it kind of got missed because it just wasn't super noteworthy was uh, Cesar Hernandez, um, who we re- reached a minor league deal back, um, you know, earlier on in the year, um, did end up opting out of his deal at with the Mariners. Um, so he is, uh, so he is now gone. Uh, he opted out back on six one. So that did, I think, open up a couple more options for us in Tacoma. Um, so I think, it, mm-hmm. I think it made sense to try to bring Didi Gregorius on. And honestly, I feel like it's a good, it's a good signing, right? I think for what, uh, for what the Mariners potentially need with Colton Wong, um, and his struggles, I think it makes sense just given that Didi Gregorius is having a pretty good season thus far in, uh, the Mexican league, obviously the Mexican league's not, um, major league baseball, but, um, it's good to see him, um, I think thriving right now from where, you know, the challenges that he had at the end of the last year. <clears throat> so I think there's a definite shot, definite potential that this kind of can displace Colton Wong. I think they're probably going to start DD in Tacoma for a couple of games, see how it goes. And then, um, 
yeah, make a determination on Wong over the next probably a couple weeks or the week or maybe just one week. I don't know, somewhere in there. But I think you're, I think you're probably spot on. I think this very well might to put this place him um, at at uh, second base there after this, which sounds which sounds wild given what we thought with Cold Wong at the beginning of the year. But it's leaning that way. Well, what what let's put you in the the shoes of the Mariners GM. Let's let's say you're Justin or or whatnot. Um, if you had the choice, would you get rid of AJ Pollock or Colton Wong at this point if DD Gregorius was coming up? I know Pollock's more of an outfielder, but I mean we're pretty set in the outfield, and DD could get some DH at bats. You know, Dylan Moore can play left field. He can play, I think, every outfield position. You know, so who uh, who would you rather have off the team at this point, AJ or Colton? Um, I probably lean towards um, I probably lean towards Colton Wong. Um, just given the um struggles he has had in the field, he's looked somewhat better lately. But um, I would probably lean Colton Wong just because um, it's hurting your team more, right? Like AJ Pollock, the bat is certainly not good right now, but um. Colton Wong, the bat, the field is just not what he used to be, right? Um, Colton Wong has a 29 weighted ones created plus, which is a number that I didn't think was possible, right? Um, so anyways, I would go with Colton Wong. Um, and I think that's probably the way the Mariners are leaning, I would think, just given like this signing and where that's going. Um, and, you know, AJ Pollock, I think, is on a short leash as well. But um, if I had to pick between the two, it's Colton Wong probably leaves, probably gets... I would assume DFA'd sooner rather than later, but um, I don't know. I would also think that the Mariners, like the last couple of days, have kind of given Wong a couple more starts, and I do think that they probably try to run him out there just a couple more times to give him one last kind of opportunity at this, but um, it just kind of looks like Colton Wong's... I would just say I think it looks like Colton Wong's just done at this point. I don't know what, I don't know what happened, and... We can study it and look at it kind of deeper at a future time, but it just looks like Colton Wong's done. So that's the way I would go. Which, which that sucks to say, you know, we had high hopes with Wong coming in. Honestly, we had some high hopes also seeing AJ Pollock. I thought AJ Pollock would have been a good addition. Um, And I think um, Jerry is kind of realizing that Um, they interviewed him, but kind of before DD Gregorius signing came out, um, an interview came out, I think it was with the Seattle Times, where Jerry's kind of talking candidly. And he uh, he mentioned that right now the Mariners are in a place where it's not just going to be one or two bats that are going to turn them around. And he, he made the kind of facetious, sarcastic joke that they could trade for prime Babe Ruth right now and he wouldn't help this team. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the the Mariners, I don't know, struggles this far. There has been some good. You know, it's not all been bad. I, I'm not giving up on this season. I know you're not giving up on this season because there's been some good. And there, there's been some flashes of, of brilliance from the Mariners, you know. We're going to go over Kirby's start against the Padres, but there's been times where Kirby has looked phenomenal, you know. He's had a couple bad starts. Bryce Miller has looked phenomenal. He's had two bad starts and his ERA doesn't reflect how good he's been doing, you know? So it just, 
maybe this is a, a step one type thing with Didi getting signed. You know, maybe we try to see if he's got something left in the tank and can come in and contribute. But this is only step one. This is going to be a a multifaceted approach to how they turn it around. You know, it's it's going to take a few more bats, maybe a couple more arms. You know, we've seen Marco and Flexen not do great. Um, and I know that's Flexen's kind of another one that you've been sitting on talking about. Well, he's probably going to be DFA'd soon. I would, I would assume so. I don't think we as the fan base know really like, I think we've all have details around Chris Flexen's contract and like, I don't know. There was odd things where if he was kept on the roster by a certain date in June, he was going to be able to make certain, I think I can't remember. It's a complicated contract to say the least. And I think the Mariners just writing it out right now because um, they want to save a little bit of money. You know, take that however you want, but it seems like that's what they're going to do with Chris Flexen. But um, yeah, I mean, Chris Flexen is just, he pitches garbage time, which unfortunately for the Mariners has been uh, um, a common theme over the last couple of games is garbage time. So Chris Flexen's got a lot of run out there. Um, but yeah, Chris Flexen's ERA is, you know, his line is like seven, right? Like <laughs> it, bounces, it bounces back and forth between seven. So like, I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Right. I feel like it's time to probably move on and, cut bait on some of these guys yeah when cody was on the show you know we were talking about our flexing sightings and flexing had dropped it down to 651 and it's well past seven again you know he's in garbage time he's not looking great he's getting shelled in garbage time you know so i i, I imagine flexing's probably a dfa can candidate long obviously with the ddd D- D- growth the D.D. Gregorius signing. You know, if you say his name like five times fast, it would be really hard to say his name. <laughs> and then uh, A.J. Pollock also, you know, is probably a, a DFA candidate. And I'm, I'm just interested to see where the Mariners go from here, you know, with, with that. You know, Mike Ford kind of forced the Mariners' hand coming up. He hasn't looked great. You know, there's, there's a lot of holes on this team right now. And we're starting to see some people turn it back. You know, turn it turn it up a little bit. Teo's turning it around. Julio's almost hitting 250. Had a moonshot in game one against the Padres. I mean, this team is showing us that they're almost there. They're almost about ready to turn it around and go on a run. But we're not there yet. And and really it comes down to probably, you know, the five, six, seven, eight hitters at this point. I wouldn't count nine because Caballero's been hitting nine and Caballero is still batting eh, 250-260. Yeah, I mean there's a number there's a number of things and I know Jerry and team still Jerry and his team still really believe in what they've built and I think they're disappointed by the outcomes of, you know, offseason acquisitions like they've gotten thus far, but they're still believers in the team. Um you know, they think I think Jerry made the comment from that same interview. I think that was I think was it with Mike and Salk or I can't remember, but he was talking about. Oh, I thought it was a, I thought it was Seattle Times. It might have been yeah. on the radio. I just. I think it was Seattle Times that probably posted, you know, a, a transcription of the interview. A little bit. Yeah, but I mean, either way, Jerry was talking about just like the youth of the lineup and the potential that it still has. And if if a number of teams wanted to trade like rosters right now, like a number of teams would do that, just given like the talent that's on the roster. And I agree to that, probably to an extent, right? But. Um, 
you know, I think there's still some gaps and still some guys that we've seen a lot of potential for, and it's continued to come to some capacity, but we would like to see it a little bit more. And, uh, I think on your comment of, uh, you know, the Babe Ruth one, right. That you brought up, um, you know, it's going I know we, it's trade season. Also, we talk about one trade here and there, but, um, you know, one trade for Tim Anderson's not going to do it right. It'd be something like Aloy Jimenez and Tim Anderson would even maybe move the needle like a little bit. Right. But like, that's completely mm-hmm. unrealistic right now. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. We're entering an odd time of, uh, I don't know where the Manders are going to go. I think they are going to cut bait on some guys to maybe send a message or just try to try some different things. And, uh, it's probably time. It's probably time for that. And we'll see how the next series goes, especially against the angels, kind of the division rivals there, but, um, should be an interesting time for Manor baseball. We're not even, you know, we're still like over two months away from the, not over, you know, a little less than two months away from the trade deadline. Teams are still trying to figure out, you know, if they're going to buy or sell at the trade deadline, you know, so it's really hard to also, you know, even propose trades because you don't even know if that, that trade, you know, that team's going to be open to trading. Exactly. anything. Yeah. You know, we've heard a lot of, a lot of talk on the Cardinals right now, you know, how they're not doing well and they could cut bait on a lot of their young guys. You know, I've seen numerous people say we should be going to try to get like Jordan Walker and, and Nolan Corbin. And I'm just like, it's the season's still young. Like you're, you're telling me right now that you're counting the Cardinals out in the start of June. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could do that. Yep. Nope. I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. And I think a lot of teams are filling it out. Phone calls are going around and the Mariners are probably one of those teams. Um, I think we probably do have to have a conversation at some point. If you know, things look South over the next couple of weeks, what kind of, if the Mariners are buyers or sellers, right. Um, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's early to jump into that right now. We can speculate on who the Mariners might be able to sell there, but um, you know, we'll just continue to hope that we're going to be buyers and, uh, you know, these next couple games, next couple series go our way. So, yep. Let's let's talk about that around the All-Star break. Maybe that maybe we'll include Cody on that and, and we'll talk about that, you know, on our big episode around the All-Star break. Because right now, way too early. So, well, let's get into the, the Padres series here. Um, it was a short two-game series. And honestly... It was a tale of two games because one night had us believing that we can get the two game sweep. And the next night I'm like, I can't believe we actually won a game against the Padres. So let's start with, uh, with Tuesday's night, Tuesday night game. Um, it was a good pitching matchup. Logan Gilbert going against Joe Musgrove and, uh, Logan Gilbert looked pretty solid in the game. Not as many strikeouts, but looked really solid. Logan Gilbert looked really good in this game and Logan Gilbert is uh it's starting to trend for me in a very very good light in a very good positive way for me. Um I know he's had he's had a couple ups and downs, a couple bumps on you know this and a couple games here and there, but um I do think he's given up an earned run and I think every start that he's had this year, but like uh, the expected ERA right now, the the savant profile he's not giving up super hard contract but um you know his expecting bad averages his expecting slugging percentages are low 
like Gilbert is uh Gilbert is absolutely trending in the positive, positive way for me. And he's still, he was super solid in this game, seven innings strong, um, 14 swings and misses. Um, I think everything was kind of working for him for the most part. Um, and, uh, no, I was just super impressed with Gilbert in this game. And honestly, like he's not going to get an all-star nomination, I think, but, um, yeah, he's the kind of guy that under the radar, I think has been just uh super, super good, maybe fallen behind or maybe not looked at as much as like a Castillo or even a Kirby in some way, but um, just uh super commend Gilbert in this performance in particular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gilbert final line for Tuesday's game, seven innings pitch, three hits, one run. It was earned um, two base on ball, six Ks, but 14 swings and misses is pretty good. And and honestly, the the pitching staff looked pretty good as a whole Tuesday night. You know, Munoz came in, picked up a hold. Like we said, it was his first start or first um, appearance back from the IL. Went one inning, had two Ks, including a, a massive K against Fernando Tatis. Um, and then Seawald came in at the end of the game. Um, as you stated, kind of looked a little shaky, but um, after giving up a hit and a base on balls, he had two Ks and. And ended up getting the save that night. Yeah, this was a kind of classic Mariners dominant pitching performance from from everybody involved. So all the way from the starters to the bullpen, and uh, yeah, when your offense gives you four runs on top of that, and your pitching staff, you know, uh, is as strong as the Mariners, um, it's a good formula for success for the Mariners. So um, despite the kind of the seawall, maybe little blips there at the end, but um, it's an overall great pitching performance. You mentioned the four runs, Bo, and I know you have this stat in our notes, and you're just you're you're sitting on it. But last year, um, when the Mariners scored four or more runs in a game, they had seventy two wins. There was an eighty one win, uh, eighty one percent win percentage in twenty twenty two. Like, like, are you just saying we need to score four runs to win a ball game? Four runs to win the ball game, and I, and I think. What, what stuck out to me is like the four runs in this game didn't feel like it wasn't laborious for us to get those right. Like it was, it kind of felt kind of easy for us in some way, right? Like a Julio home run, Teoscar home run. Like it, it, it just felt easy for us to get those four runs, which I think just talks about how good the offense can be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause you know, four runs, I think is going to win the Mariners ball game 80% of the time. Right. Just taking that alone. And in this game in particular, it was just, it was easy, uh, easy for us to get those, and it just shows like what this, what we can be if we get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. The offense, I thought, looked pretty well, and they were pretty, pretty solid top to bottom. Um, J.P. Crawford went one for three, had a run. Uh, J. Rod, two for four, had a mammoth solo home run to left field. Um, again, looks like he's turning around, almost hitting the two fifty mark. Good, you know, you like to see it. Ty France continues his upward trend, went two for four, had a run, had an RBI, had his 18th double of the season in the game. So he's looking good. Tio is looking like he's turning around a little bit, had his 10th home run of the season, uh, two RBIs. Um, so if you're keeping count at home, uh, J-Rod, Tio, and France attributed all four of those RBIs. Um, and... The Mariners went two for five, or excuse me, two for six with runners in scoring position, five runners left on, and are grounded into double play tracker, Bo. My boy, Cal Raleigh, big dumper, grounded into a double play. 
during the game. But overall, good game from at least the top of the lineup, and that's what the Mariners need. You score that many runs most nights, you're going to win a ball game. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, the Mariners were a little, if you want to start to dive into the next game, the Mariners were a little flip-flop from what they were on the on the Wednesday game there, which is kind of evident of how the Padres have been as well. So this was a, this was a good series, uh, at least uh, and a good game. I guess it's still on the Tuesday game for, for us to get a little back on track after uh, what was a, what was a rough weekend. Yep. Yep. And I, I say, you know, that game had me feeling like we were back on track. Like we could take both these games, go into Anaheim, LA, whatever you want to call them, the angels going to, the angels with two game win streak with the chance to, uh, to take a couple games from then. But, uh, Wednesday kind of brought us back to, to earth and, uh, Michael Walker made the Mariners look pretty silly. You know, when he was on the mound, uh, Mariners ended up losing 10 to three split the series with the Padres and, uh, Kirby did not have his best outing. Uh, Kirby did not have his best outing. And, um, yeah, Michael, on the Kirby side of things, uh, I think if you're starting to look at maybe what be, might be going on with George Kirby a little bit, cause he's had a couple rougher outings, I would say, um, um, I guess he did have that really nice out against the Yankees prior to this, but, um, you know, before that he did give up, I think seven runs in his outing before that. Um, but he has given up kind of more, I would say hard hit balls over the last couple of games than his, you know, season total. Um, so the exit velocities mm-hmm. against him kind of inclined over his last couple of games. Um, so it might be a little bit of a concern there. I think in this game in particular, he just left too many balls like over the top part of the plate and uh, those just came back to, to came back to bite him. So this was his, this was the hardest hit percentage, hardest hit balls hit against him. Um, this season at the hardest hit percentage against him as well. So, yep, just too many balls up on top of the plate and coupled that with a uh, uh, Padres offense that was on on this particular day was just a formula for success for the Padres anyways. Um, so not his best stuff. Yeah. Kirby's final line on Wednesday's game, in Wednesday's game, I should say, 3.2, three and two-thirds innings pitched. Gave up 11 hits, five runs, all of them earned, three Ks. Did not walk a single person, which was good to see, but he also gave up a home run. Um, coming in a relief, Matt Brash got a uh, got two-thirds of an inning, gave up a hit, two earned runs, two runs, had one base on ball and two Ks. Taylor Saucedo came in for a third of an inning, gave up two hits, gave up a run, that was earned. Um had one K Matt Festa, who I didn't realize was back on the, the Mariners, uh, in the Mariners bullpen went uh, inning in a third, had two Ks looked pretty, pretty solid for the most part. And like I said, or like you said, Chris Flexen came in in garbage time, pitched two innings, three hits, two runs, both earned, uh, did not have a strikeout, had a base on balls, uh, not a great bullpen performance. And, Bill, I got to ask you, you think, you know, we, we a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how the Mariners had a very, had the number one pitching staff in baseball, had the best rotation, and their bullpen was, was, was 
was coming along and, and it was only going to be an addition when Munoz got here. In the last two weeks, um, I, I felt like we jinxed it. You know, we talked about Kirby being a Cy Young candidate. He hasn't looked great in two weeks. We talked about Bryce Miller being probably the front runner for rookie of the year. He hasn't looked great in two weeks. You know, do you do you feel like we jinxed it? I feel like we jinxed it. Yeah, I feel like we probably jinxed it and didn't really I think we um you know, we really accepted that the pitching staff was gonna stay the same and we didn't really look at a lot of maybe some of the other underlying metrics to see exactly what might happen with this pitching staff. So that's probably on us, right? We just, uh, you know, accepted that they were just continue to be good and we didn't really look at um, maybe some of the potential uh, pitfalls for some of these pitch for some of the pitching staff. And um, yeah, I think that's on us as fans, right? Is this, if something's going good for a little while, we don't like to think about what could potentially go wrong, right? Think about like Jared Kelnick, right? Or something like that. We just like, we want to drink that Kool-Aid when it's good. And I think we kind of kept doing that with the pitching staff and uh, yeah, they kind of came back down to earth a little bit and probably at the wrong time. And uh, especially over the weekend against the Rangers and in this game in particular, but I would say like, I do trust more of the, what we saw of the pitching staff and in, in April and uh, in early May, right. I do trust that probably more than this last week or two of the pitching staff. So I do think they'll, they'll stabilize and they'll get better, I think, um, and kind of work out of this funk that they're in. And I think Penn Murphy um, is also on a rehab assignment right now. So it's just another arm. You can think that's going to be back in this bullpen um, pretty soon, I would say. So probably some more reinforcements coming now. And then especially with Menunos, I think they'll, they'll pick it back up. Well, I hope so because they kind of need to be the rock for this team because you know, it seems like every other game we're seeing an offense like we saw in Wednesday's night Wednesday night game against uh, the Padres. Wednesday afternoon, I guess it wasn't at night. Uh, Mariners were able to scrounge up four hits against the Padres. Two of those hits coming from Jared Kelnick. Two for four, had a K, but did have a double. His 15th double on the season. Um, let's see, Ty France picked up a hit, went one for four, 19th double of the season. Also grounded into a double play. So Ty France, I, you, Bo, you need to look that up. I think while I'm talking here, how many double plays is Ty France actually grounded into here? I feel like his name's coming up every week, at least two times a week. Um, Caballero and J Rod both had RBIs. Team went one for nine with runners in scoring position, left six on base, and that leads to the Mariners getting beat ten to three. So not a great offensive showing. And I feel like we keep saying that the Mariners have not had a great offensive showing uh, for even longer than these last two weeks for, for, you know, since the start of the season. So. Correct. Sorry. To answer your question, uh, Ty France is grounded into uh, 10 double plays this season. Um he spaces them out pretty, uh, pretty, he spaces them out pretty well, though. It's about once a week. There was kind of two and a couple of games back to back, but about once a week, once every maybe, yeah, six or seven days, somewhere in there. So there's your, there's your hot stat of the day there. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, what else can be said that we haven't already said about the offense, right? It's just, uh, it was good to see that positive sign on Tuesday. Good to see the spark. And again, it didn't seem that hard for us to get those four runs, right? Like that's what I keep coming back to no. is like, if we just, 
in some way, just string together a couple singles here or there, get a couple guys on base. Um, and you know, we get a home run from, from Teo or from Julio or from Kelnick every once in a while. Right. That's going to win us enough ball games with the pitching staff that we have. Right. And it's just, uh, even for us to do that, it seems, seems complicated sometimes. And even in this game, you know, this game on Wednesday, we got bailed out by some bad pitching. I got bailed out on the, you know, the runs that we scored in this game. You can really attribute those to, is it Drew Carlton, who really was, he walked the first three guys that he faced that he hit Caballero to score. Like you can really kind of put that on him in this game, right? So even the three runs that we scored here isn't super representative of the offense itself. So, um, Mm -hmm. Yep, it's just the the same story over again. Hopefully, maybe who knows? Maybe Diorius will jumpstart something there. Maybe Dylan Moore coming back will jumpstart something. I, we know. I think we've said numerous times we don't think the offense is going to continue to be this bad. Um, uh, we saw signs of life with it with Julio and Teo. And we've seen glimpses of it, right? Um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I also trust that Jerry and team have you know said that they also think this team's going to work out of it. So we'll just uh, continue to hope that's the case. Yep. Um, again, if if I'm a Mariners fan right now, which I am, but like if I'm in other people's shoes, I wouldn't be hitting the panic button yet. Um, I'm seeing a lot of that on on Mariners Twitter, Mariners Facebook, Mariners subreddit, stuff like that. Just people in doomsday mode right now, and I, I really think, I mean, go look at historically some of the teams that had a bad first half. And, and came back to make the playoffs, you know, the, the nationals off the top of my head. Um, I'm pretty sure. Was it the Oh three Marlins that didn't start out too great. They ended up winning the world series in 2003. Um, after having a pretty stellar second half, you know, um, you know, just keep the faith Mariners fans. If I had to tell you one thing, keep the faith because the Mariners can turn it around with the drop of the hat and, and we could be watching playoff baseball this season still. So. Yep, we could. And, um, you know, my only challenge would be that, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of the window that Jerry and team told us, right. This is going to be the time for us to, I think be a, be a good baseball team. We are, I think a, I think we're a good baseball team. I think we are closer to the Rangers than we are the athletics. Right. Um, we're still a good baseball team. I just think that, um, you know, we probably put high expectations on those teams and whenever you set, um, you know, those expectations high, whenever they get met, there's going to be, um, some, some, some pushback to that. And some, I think expectations not being met. Um, you know, so it feels a little bit of a letdown. So I understand where people are coming from. Um, I think I feel it too in some way, shape or form, but, um, you know, I'll just continue to have hope. Like you said, lots of teams have come back before and, um, you know, the Mariners did it last year. Hopefully they can do it again this year. Hopefully we can catch some lucky breaks along the way, maybe make a trade or two. And, you know, that kind of sets ourselves to a better past or a better future there. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, one other thing before we, we get out of the Wednesday series here or the Wednesday game and, you know, in the Padre series, um, I kind of wrote off Michael Waka when we were talking about pitching previews. Um, historically Waka started out great and then kind of was kind of a mid tier pitcher low to mid. He wasn't great. He's having a great season this season. So, you know, I'm going to give it up to Michael Waka, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And hopefully, 
you know, you're considered the ace of the Padres staff right now on a staff that has you Darvish and Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove. You're, you're considered the ace right now. So good on you, Michael Waka. And hopefully we don't ever see you again, at least in that form. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to the angel series. That's the upcoming series. The Mariners were off on Thursday and, um, didn't even have to get on an airplane to travel. They, they, um, had a bus out of San Diego that took them up to LA to angel stadium and well, wherever they're staying around the, the stadium. So, um, but we've got some pretty good pitching matchups coming up. Um, obviously Friday's game is going to be a, a big one. We got La Pedra, Luis Castillo versus Shohei Otani. Um, Saturday's game is going to be Brian Wu getting his second start. Hopefully he can turn it around against Patrick Sandoval. Um, you know, big Patrick Sandoval was a big part of the Mexican national team at the world baseball classic. Um, got, I think he got the start. Was it against the U S in the semis? I think it was. Can't remember. Um, I think he was the starter. He looked pretty good. And then Bryce Miller picking up the Sunday game versus Griffin Canning. Um, this is, we're going to say this from now on, probably, um, going forward for every series, but this is a, this is a must win series for the Mariners, especially since it is an AOS showdown. Yeah. AOS showdown. And, uh, I mean, the angels are, the angels are right there, right? I mean, they're three games ahead of us right now. So, um, I guess it's two games ahead of us right now, but, um, yeah, they're right there, um, and it would be uh, it'd be good to for us to kind of come out and um, you know I think try to get on Otani early in this game, um, and uh, you know I think in the first game he pitched against us I think he walked um, his season high in that game or maybe it was his yeah I can't remember he walked I think four four batters in that game so he gave us plenty of opportunities so. I'd really like for him to do that again for us, but he's also looked, he's also grooved pretty well over his last couple of games, excluding kind of the Houston game, uh, which is, you can also say about Patrick Sandoval as well. So um, looking for the Mariners to get out early, take advantage of some walks. And um, yeah, I think more or less just try to uh, try to knock Shohei Otani early out of this game. That's kind of the, kind of the keys for that one. Um, and then Patrick Sandoval also had a rough outing against the Astros last time out. So um, a little, sl- a little, um, slower left-hander. Um, so I would like the Mariners to take advantage of that, but he does throw a lot of off-speed stuff, which the Mariners struggle with, but, uh, that would be a good game to see kind of engage where the Mariners are at. Um, and, uh, I think if I'm kind of pinpointing one, I think I'm obviously watching the Otani and, um, Luis Castillo game more than others. I'm sure you are as well. So that's kind of the one I would focus on, but uh, yeah, I'd really like to get two out of three. I think that would be the best, certainly the best outcome of, of the series. Yep. Yeah. I think I'm more excited to see Brian Wu pitch his second game. Um, I think he's, I, I would hope, you know, obviously I'm not in that clubhouse. I would hope he kind of got that monkey off his back a little bit uh, in, in Texas and comes out and realizes, you know, Hey, I want to stay up here. I want to do my part and comes out and pitches a gym. Um, it'll be interesting to see if show starts at DH in that game. I'm, I haven't been watching, Bo. have you been watching the angels a little bit as a uh, show been sitting out? 
uh, the day after he starts? Um, I actually don't know off the top of my head. I know that he's just been, the Angels have been running him a lot, right? So um, I would imagine they can, would continue to do that. And uh, especially with them, you know, they want to, they want to compete and win as much as the Mariners do, right? Um, and especially in Shoei's last year, I think they're going to try to run him and give as much value out of him as they can. So um, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see if he we'll see if he ends up batting or not. But um, I would assume that they would in some way, shape, or form. But uh, yeah, we'll see if he ends up playing the whole series, batting, etc. There. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like you said, Bill, two out of three would be good. Let's get the sweet. Let's let's break out the broom. I've got I've got a broom sitting by me here. I want to be able to send you pictures of me sweeping my room because we just swept the angels. So I like it. I like it. (laughs) Well, that has almost been our show. We're getting to my favorite part prospect corner. Bo, I I did. You did one last show, but I missed it. You know, when, when you were gone and Cody was filling in. So who do you got prospect wise that we're talking about today? Get me with it. Sure thing. We're gonna we're gonna mix it up. Probably go with somebody that's not really been talked about too much. Most primarily because he was drafted in uh, late last year, but uh, late in the twenty twenty two draft. And his name is Brandon Schaefer. Um, he's a left hander that the Mariners got in the eighteenth round of last year's draft um, out of UNC. Um, I think what's notable about him is he did pitch in uh, Juco College before making the jump to UNC. So um, and he only spent one year there before the Mariners were able to pick him up. But he was a kind of a later, um, he was a little older, just like one year older in terms of where he was at and the draft status. Um, but uh, he was an 18th round pick, um, but he kind of really excelled at Modesto already this year. So um yeah, you know, Modesto this year, he had a 10, five K per nine rate, um, and really gave up, um, only, you know, less than 0.2 home runs per nine. So especially in Modesto, where it's a little bit more of a hitter's paradise down there, he had some really, really good numbers. Um, and he earned himself a promotion to Everett and his first start in Everett was super solid. So he pitched, he had 10 strikeouts in his first start in Everett just two days ago, uh, with only one walk and went six and a third. So, um, Brandon Schaefer, I really like guys that are drafted kind of later in the in later in the draft and especially an 18th rounder um that's a, it's a fun story to see him kind of you know making the making the jump up there and uh who knows we'll maybe we'll see him in um, arkansas maybe the end of this year probably probably early next year i would assume what would be a timeline for a guy like this you know he was just drafted last year 18th round started in modesto got promoted to everett what would be the timeline? Are we talking like 2025, 2026 before we would see him on a major league roster or what? You know, it's, it is a little difficult with the way that the Mariners are treating pitching prospects right now. Um, Cause he's actually only, I think he's only a month younger than Brian Wu or he's very close in age to Brian Wu. So it's kind of interesting. And I know Brian Wu's obviously had like a nice ascension and he was drafted earlier in the draft. So for somebody like Brandon Schaefer, they're probably going to wait a little bit longer on him just to make sure, you know, this is a, a real version of him unless he has a super, super, you know, big breakout here. But I would think 2025 mm-hmm. is probably more realistic. Um, 2025, 
probably, you know, June or so if he continues this kind of upward trend. So that's probably what I would say, probably where I would pin him at um, with a chance, you know, if everything goes right for him to be maybe there late next year sometime. Okay. Well, you know, he, with him getting promoted to Everett, Bill, it sounds like you need to make it out to Everett for a game that he's pitching in. I, I know I've, I've, I, I, I can't, it's on my list. It's on my list of to do's. I just need to find the, find the right day game up there and I'll, uh, I'll get up there sometime. So, yep. I'll make it a to do. Maybe, maybe you could take Xander with you. Maybe, maybe he'll like to catch, maybe a, ball catch a ball game. Yeah. Watch some, watch some Harry Ford and team, you know, really light it up. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's our show for today. Um, you know, we will be back next Tuesday with another episode going over the Angels series. Bo, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Uh, nothing for me. Cool. Well, for all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark. And we'll see you guys next Tuesday.